Hello, welcome to I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. I am Chip Chantry. And Ken, I have one question for you before we get started. Is, is uh, I feel like I know what it is, but go ahead. Go ahead. Do you want, do you want to know? Is, do you want to know what it is? Is it about? Do you want to take a guess? Is it about really wanting to hurt you? Yes. Do you really want to hurt me, Ken? Do you really want to hurt me? It's uh, <laughs> it is sad uh, how much we think alike. Yeah. Um, we have and we so- finish each other's careers. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have- By the way, is is that an oddball t- uh, sweatshirt you're wearing? What is what is that sweatshirt it's wearing? The, it's the dude from uh, uh, Wonder Bar. It's the Asbury Park. Dude. Oh, right, right, right. Tilly, Tilly. Yes. I always Tilly. forget his name. Um, did you hear that voice? By the way, fucking uh, Kahuna is Kahuna, back. the one and only. How are you guys? Happy New Year, Kahuna. Happy New Year, Kahuna. What's going on with you in your life? A lot's been going on. Yeah. I. Uh, I've been working on a really dope secret project I can't really talk about just yet. Tell us uh, about it. <laughs> I'm the guy uh, who just doesn't listen. Yeah. And then I actually just finished the first draft for what I think is going to be my debut feature film. Nice. Fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a good year for Kahuna. Yeah, it well, is. You need someone to uh, go through it and make it way less funny. Chips available. I yeah, was gonna call I you. can really I make it. I can make it more can. of a drama if you want. <laughs> um, we have uh, we have a guest with us today. We are. Uh, I'm excited for this. So, the guest today is actually just. It, she's a close uh, personal friend of mine. She must uh, be because she hasn't left yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she is a. Uh, she is. Is this your? This is your first book, right, Barbara? My debut. Yes. Her her debut novel has just come out. It's called Lucky Stiff. Um, please welcome Barbara Belisi. Hi everyone. Thank you. Um, hi Ken. What's Chip? going on? It's Kahuna. nice to see you. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yep. Um, we're we'll, we're going to get into it. So today we're talking, uh, you told me so long ago about this book. I did. Um, and then I guess uh, you got your deal during the pandemic, which I'm guessing yeah. isn't the best time. I'm, I feel very lucky that the book is actually out there in the world. I signed my contract in August of 2020 and um, they said, oh, maybe it'll be out by, you know, fall 21. And then it was winter 22. And then it was, so there's that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, is this really going to happen? Because I've known people who have signed with agents and that has fallen through. So I said, is this going to happen to me? But it's out January 1st. It's actually my, my book baby is out in the world. That's great. Uh, Could you tell us about the book and or about Kahuna's secret project? Oh, either one. I I want to hear more about Kahuna's secret project. Yeah, pick Um, one or one or two of those, or we can hear about your book too. I'd love to hear about. I'll talk about my book first. Okay. Okay. (laughs) um, uh, Yeah. So my book is called Lucky Stiff, and it's about a guy who uh, wins the lottery and like a huge lottery jackpot, and because his life is really complicated, he keeps putting off actually claiming the ticket, even though um, you know claiming the jackpot will solve all of his problems. So the longer he puts it off, um, the more problems he has in his life. And then a journalist starts to kind of get on the hunt to find out who this lottery winner is. So he really does have to um, make a decision in his life about um, about all this money. So it is meant to be funny, but it's also meant to be heartfelt. Um, and it's based in Staten Island, my uh, my hometown. So that's great. what a coincidence. My secret project is also about a guy who's pushing back, getting his lottery winnings. That's insane. Yeah, small world. Wow, wow, small world. And that's so interesting too, because you you do hear those stories of like how somebody hits the lotto, they get millions and millions of dollars, and then it like almost like ruins their life too, like the opposite end of that too. Like so, that's that's got to be such. I I'm very and and it's called Lucky Steph, right? Lucky Steph. And um, my name is Barbara Belisi Zito. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, so I. Um, wrote this book. I had this idea for years. It was actually part of my, uh, I'm embarrassed to say this. 
it goes back to when I was an MFA uh, in, in creative writing student, and I actually wrote the screenplay. So, Kahuna, maybe you stole my screenplay. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so... I'm just happy that this story sat with me for so long and it morphed over, over time and it changed into what it is. But Chip, to your point, um, I think everyone has an, has an opinion about the lottery, um, whether they know exactly what they're going to do about it or that things are going to, you know, fall apart when they have all this money. Yeah. So, and that's what it's about. It's about um, making a decision, decision, um, finding out who you are and knowing that you can have anything you want in life, but you have no idea what you want in life. So that's great. I can't wait. I can't wait to read this. this Thank sounds, you. Thank great. you. Yeah, so, yeah, that actually sounds fantastic. Yeah. I'll tell you uh, the first thing I would do if I hit the lottery. Mm -hmm. uh, Chip, you and I have discussed this before. We. Um, I'm not becoming your manservant. No, no, no. no. <laughs> well, uh, you're not far off. I so Elvis had a guy on his payroll that would just get him out of conversations with people. So, like, if he was backstage and some fan wouldn't shut up about how much he loved him, some guy would come over, be like, Elvis, we got to get you that thing and just get him out of there. He was just on the payroll to get Elvis out of having to talk to people. And I'm I'm pretty sure that's the first thing I would do. That's yeah, that's top of my list, too. And then I would get like six hundred million dollars worth of drugs and it, mm -hmm. it would be over pretty fast. Sure, sure. Yeah. But you have priorities, Ken. That's all it is. I would be one of those like the lottery definitely ruined my life dudes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, because it's it's like the thing, too, where it's like I if I had all the money in the world, like I'm definitely tethered to my lifestyle by my monetary lot in life. So it's like I don't want to find out who Chip Chantry really is. Do you know what I mean? Like I that that scares me if I had disposable income. Um, so Barbara, when, when you, you approached me about coming on a couple yeah. of years ago, but you said, let's mm -hmm. wait until the book mm -hmm. is out. Yeah. And, uh, I said, great. Which, by the way, thank you for holding true to your promise uh, for that. I really appreciate that. Not many people would have done that. So procrastination <laughs> is one of our best, uh, <laughs> one of our best skills. Yeah. He doesn't like people to know, but Ken's good people. Oh, he's great. Well, when you said to me, you were like, oh, I'm like, I got a book coming out. You mm -hmm. know, I just thought to myself, because I always like think I'm going to do certain things and then mm -hmm. it just never materializes. So I was like, that's I'll say yes, because that's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's never actually going to put out a book. No, but I'm I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited that you did. I'm excited to read it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm excited to talk about Culture Club. Yes. So I asked you way back when, mm -hmm. who, who can you come mm -hmm. on and talk about? Yeah. And uh, you immediately wrote back Culture Club. Absolutely. And it's funny because I think when we talked about this, one of the things I said um, to you was Culture Club, I think, is like the beginning of my music consciousness. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is it's like the first thing that my parents weren't less like, you know, I, I was young when they came out. I was in first grade. Yeah. And um, I remember not only their music, but like they're one of those bands that not only do I remember their music, I remember the albums and I know all of the people in like they're the first people I knew that like, I knew who, who everyone was, you know, like even today, like as much as I say I love the police, I, I have to remember who else is in the police besides Sting. Culture Club, I know all of them. I know their instruments and I've read their, you know, I've read, if you ever want to read a crazy biography, read the one of uh, Boy George's autobiography. It's just insane. How how the man is still alive, I don't know. Which is interesting too, that you say like you knew everybody. You must've been a big fan because I can't name a single other, or at least I couldn't name a, because like it was Boy George was front right. and yeah. center right. of that band. So uh, mm -hmm. to, to know all of those, that's pretty. Well, pretty I have to say, I had a major crush on John Moss, the drummer, um, which makes me very much uh, similar to Boy George, as we can talk about in a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mikey Craig, um, Roy Hay, I just I just knew them. And, and that's what I mean by the beginning of my consciousness, because, you know, I, I know a lot of bands by their greatest hits albums, but Culture Club is the first one that it's like, nope, kissing to be clever. Then it was, you know, color by numbers and all that. And um, and of course, Boy George was my first. We didn't have the words then for gender fluidity back then. Right. But that was my first experience with someone who was like, I remember asking them, like, well, what what is he? You know, because I was in first grade. 
And my mother, cool lady that she was, she goes, do you care? The, you know, he's he's a man, but he dresses like a woman sometimes or he looks like a woman. Do you care? I said, no, I just really like his music. And and that was kind of how how it was. So that's pretty progressive for 1983. Uh, did you grow up in Staten Island? I did. I grew up in Staten Island. And so to give you like a, a picture of what this was, I was in Catholic school. So, you know, we my my music lessons were singing church hymns. That was our music class. So I like I can't sing. I have no musical uh, instrument experience. But I remember that Culture Club hit that year that I had a Halloween party. Right. It was like my my Halloween party in first grade. And one of my friends came dressed as Boy George. And this was like when, you know, the time of like you wore those stupid plastic masks and everything. Mm -hmm. So to have like my friend come dressed as Boy George, it was it was amazing. So that's that's how I kind of remember. um, I have very fond memories of Culture Club. I remember my, I think again, first grade, my, my probably seventh birthday party in first grade as, as my gifts, part of what I got was, I remember I got like a little boom box, you know, it was like my first boom box and I got the quiet riot album. I think mental health, maybe uh, the footloose soundtrack, <laughs> three copies of thriller <laughs> and uh culture club color by numbers. Yeah. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I have uh, I had a 45. Oh, wow. Dating myself. I'm so I feel so old. Uh, you got it down to the soda fountain, right? Is that where? <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. At the filling station um, of of um, <laughs> it's a miracle. And I remember the B side was Love Twist, the live version of Love Twist, which I didn't like. I didn't like that song for some reason. I loved I loved this miracle, um, which, by the way, was originally called It's America. Um, as I as I learned. And if you go back and listen to that with the song, with, with the title, It's America, it actually makes a lot of sense. But um, so, yes, yeah, so that was I don't have that 45 anymore. I forgot that song existed and mm-hmm. which is so weird, like and I was even listening to some some culture club this week and I I guess I just missed that one. But like you said, it's a miracle. I, I probably haven't heard that song in three decades. Oh, wow. And right now I can hear the entire thing in my head yep. right yep. now. Can you can you remember the video? I don't remember the video. I don't remember the song. Okay, it's so, a miracle. Yep, it's yep. a miracle. It's, it's it's a miracle, right? It That's opens the... up. Dun, 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 you know. It, yep. Yep. Um, the video, which strangely enough was actually nominated for best special effects. Really? <laughs> I was just and a George's makeup one... artist. It's the one where they're dancing around what looks like their version of a Monopoly board, but it's actually round. Okay. And they're dancing on a Monopoly board. So I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I don't remember this. And it's funny because one of the reasons that Culture Club is called Culture Club is they're all diverse. You know, like um, John, this is what they said that, you know, we had um, Boy George is Irish. John Moss is is Jewish. Um. Uh, Mikey Craig is black and Roy Hay is is the Englishman. So in this video, it's actually like they take it to like the next level. Like you see John Moss jump onto his his square, and the star of David, you know, <laughs> lights up. <laughs> so, um, which I of course went over my head as a small child. But when I was watching it last night, I was like, oh my god, this this is ex-, you know, so. I went back. Yeah, I went back. I started watching there. I was watching their videos last night, too. And they're one of those bands that I would have told you. I I think I know three songs, probably. Yeah. And then every song I was like, oh, God, I forgot about this one. Oh, I forgot about this one. There were some that just didn't hit in in the U.S. for various reasons. I mean, like I could argue that. Uh, the U.S. wasn't ready for Boy George. I mean, uh, England was a little bit more progressive at that time, but we weren't ready. And some of the titles, like some of the titles of the songs, just like, OK, now I know why this was not on American radio, like White Boy. OK, which was not about race. Um, I read it was more about like being boring and being like not uh, kind of like not you know, two dimensional. So there were certain things that 
they were, they were just, they were more for like, they were more club, 80s club songs. But then you hear the ones that did make make it to, to American radio. And you're like, oh, okay, okay, of course. So like off the first album, there's I'll Tumble For You. There's Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? Um, and then Color By Numbers came out. And that was that the huge one, one right? Yeah. Like that's the one that. Yeah. Church of the Poison Mind, Karma Chameleon, all that. And Ken, I think we talked about this in I, I forget which episode, past episode, but about how like the backlash to disco in the U.S. was like so sweeping. And it was like dance music just to a certain extent kind of died for for a long time, like, you know, like house kind of music, like really yeah. like, you know, electronic or whatever. Uh, and a lot of it, if any came over, it definitely came over from England. England never really had that dip like they had that dance scene that we just we just didn't have in in the early 80s. And and I guess we'll get into it, too. But, I, you know, I think another reason that Culture Club didn't get as big as they did, as they could have in in the UK, was because he suffered from the same kink syndrome where he wasn't allowed to come and tour for a couple of years to the US. Oh, is that true? I didn't know that. I, I believe I think I read that where what was wasn't that true? Like he had some I don't know if it was like dr- drug arrests or whatever. And he was banned for a while uh, from. You know, like oh, he couldn't maybe. get his visa or something like that. Uh, I believe I, I'm pretty sure like in the like later correct. 80s. I don't remember the, the years, but um, yes, he, he has had his um, his troubles with drugs over time. Also, um, they just they, they were on a whirlwind tour as far as just, it, it was a wild ride for them. And they were being by their label were being kind of just forced to like just start churning out these these albums and go on these ridiculous world tours. Like there was one year they played like five nights in a row at Wembley or something like that. She's insane. That's that's like to 100,000 people or something. Right. 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 Five nights in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No one does that anymore. I mean, like, and and if they did, I, I think honestly, Genesis tried to do that during their, their last tour. And I think they actually canceled a couple of shows because when they realized it like, sounds yeah, exhausting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. They were also Barbara. I'm glad you picked. I'm glad you picked this topic because it, like Boy George was one of those dudes. I didn't know much about like I know that. You couldn't escape Culture Club in no. the early 80s. You couldn't turn on your TV. I remember watching the A-Team. I was just going to say he was on the fucking A-Team. Yeah, That's like, right. Yeah. That's right. He, he was, was on a, the A-Team. Um, I remember the war It was a funny song. episode, too. Na- the name of – I, I got to look up the title uh, of the episode. Yeah. I forgot. I'm sorry. You, you That's okay. could the war not song them. was on Fame. Like they did, they did that song on Fame. Yeah, it, they were everywhere. They were absolutely everywhere. Um, but what I didn't know, I didn't okay. know. Uh, by the way, uh, 1986 episode of the A Team. It was called Cowboy George. <laughs> Get the hell out of here! That sounds like yep. something we would call the episode. Like exactly. That. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like the laziest. Yeah, but it it totally like I remember my my uncle who was like. Hey, I think they, I guess they, my aunt and uncle were pretty hip, but like they were, they had, they were married and had teenagers by the time the early eighties rolled around. But I remember he, my aunt got him this Snoopy, like stuffed animal Snoopy for Christmas one year. That was Snoopy was dressed like boy George and he had it like in, in the house. Like it was just like every, everything was, was boy George for, for, for that time. That's amazing. And that's what some of the videos are like. If you if you see um, It's a Miracle and Church of the Poison Minds, they in the videos like they're supposed to be fun, but you can see like the paparazzi. Um, and then at one point, I forgot which video is it. It's no, it's not. It's a miracle. It's it's Church of the Poison Mind where Boy George eludes the paparazzi and he takes him into this room and there's like a whole stage full of Boy George lookalikes of, yes, of various yeah, yeah. ages. Um, those videos, first of all, there's nothing like, in my opinion, there's nothing like videos from the 80s. <clears throat> amazing. But I, my favorite videos of all time are the Culture Club ones. They're just so fun and um, ridiculous. <laughs> um, some have aged better than others. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, oh, yeah. Which the one with like the whole minstrel show, like they had the whole jury in blackface. Jesus. Was that Karma that, Chameleon? That Karma oh, Chameleon? Uh, no, that's um, Time. That's uh, um, 
That's yeah. That's time. Uh, time clock of the heart. Yeah, that's you know, like they're in the courtroom. <laughs> yep. And yep. the whole jury is yeah. in blackface. Yeah. yeah. My favorite video is not my favorite song. I think my favorite song is Church of the Poison Mind, but my favorite video is Karma Chameleon. Um, when they're on that riverboat cruise mm-hmm. and it's like they're they're dressed up like they're you know in old times, and then there's a there's a thief. On, on the on the cruise and he's stealing all the ladies jewelry and they find out who he is and they throw him over the board overboard um like videos used to tell a story like yes. there was a there was a plot and a narrative going on with these things yes yeah um, and not all of their videos were like that not all of them you know like i'll tumble for you is like they, they they're at a, a talent show um thing but no karma chameleon is like a movie a small movie mm-hmm um, well, I also wasn't aware of all of the behind the scenes antics. Like, I didn't know that any of them were involved with each other. I didn't know yeah. that George was writing all those songs about uh, what's it, John John Moss, John the Moss. drummer. I'm so happy you said that because I only found that out a few years ago, and I don't know. I, I mean, because they they kind of they've had their troubles over time, and they broke up, and then they you know they toured again. I actually saw them in 2018 when they came mm-hmm. back through the U.S. Um, yeah, but I didn't know that until recently. And then you go back and you listen to the songs. And you're like, oh, God, yes, this is all about John. Most of them are. Yeah. Most of them are. There are some like the really early ones um, that are about other men. But um, Boy George would often fall for men who w- could not be fully available for him. So, yeah. Yeah. It had a very um, like Fleetwood Mac rumors vibe Yes, to, to yes. it that I was reading. Mm-hmm. Um, which is wild because they they became so he was like 21 when that first album came out and he became a pretty big star mm-hmm. uh, like overnight. It's amazing because I actually went back to the book because he was clubbing. He was practically like a professional clubber. And then I'm like, but when did he start singing? You know, because he was always very creative. But there, there wasn't that like, oh, he was in the children's choir or, oh, he's because it did seem like overnight because what he did was he actually filled in for as lead singer for Bow Wow Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Back in the day. And that didn't go very well. But people saw his talent and he knew he was talented. And that's when um, I forg- I think he met Mikey Craig. It was first. the bass player saw him. Yeah. Filling yes. in for Bow Wow Wow and then yeah. asked yeah. him to form a band. Right. Right. But it, it, it was so funny because the first the first part of the book is about his upbringing. But he it was never like, oh, I, I like to sing or I can even sing. He was singing like during practice at like his boyfriend's punk band rehearsal. And someone said, oh, yeah, you have a really good voice. And then it just like took off from there. And it did. It, it, it was like it was it was an overnight success and they couldn't handle it. No, that's no. going to happen at Ken or I someday. <laughs> I noticed like somebody just door like after a podcast, one of us is going to be singing something and somebody's going to see us. They, we're going to be we're going to be the next. Yeah, I went. Boy, Ken, I, I, I going to involve puppets. I, <laughs> I went looking at some of the uh, like stats. Because I was like, I wonder if, like, are they borderline? Should they be in the Hall of Fame? And then I went looking at some of the stats. Because I was, I would have told you before this, like, there's no way Culture Club should even be in that conversation. Yeah. But then I was l- reading some of the uh, some of the stats on it. And it's like, I, I don't know. They're, they were the first... They were the first band since the Beatles to have three singles from their debut album chart in the top 10. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. This I had to read. I had to reread it five times because (laughs) it didn't even make sense to me. But apparently they are the only way I'm going to pull it up and reread it again just to make sure. Uh, they're the first group in music history to have an album sell a million copies in Canada. Oh, 
In really? In Canada. Like, what the fuck was going on before? Like, the, like Canada wasn't impressed with the Beatles? Yeah. Canada wasn't impressed with Elvis? Yeah. Saturday Night Fever, not... They did not read. <laughs> no, yeah. it wasn't until uh, Culture Club that a million Canadians were like, hey, I think I'm into this. Wow. That's so weird. Not like a- Rush didn't do it. Yeah, not even like Canadian bands. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Brian Adams. <laughs> oh, now I'm racking my brains to find to think of Canadian singers. Thank you. But you named the two that I would <laughs> Name you, the only two that anybody. When you found that fact, Ken, was there any like, was there any hint of what was what it was before? Because I'm curious what the record was, um, or who the artist was that had the the other record in Canada. Oh yeah, like the artist that sold nine hundred thousand. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. And I, I don't. It does. It didn't say. I went to Harold Lannis Morissette. That's that's my other Canadian. That I'm thinking of now. <laughs> That's, um, so they were the first. Say that one more time. They were the Thanks. first musical group in history. So may, you know what? Maybe they, maybe they made the distinction because it says musical group. So maybe yeah. a solo artist. Maybe Elvis mm-hmm. did sell a million records. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, they're but the, the first band. They're the mm-hmm. first band to sell a million albums yeah. in Canada. Yeah. Like like maybe Anne Murray did it. You know. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. <laughs> Just That's... see all these Canadian kids lined up like, what's all this fuss about? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. I just I just needed to prepare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just need to. So, so Lo- as... Lover, Bo- Lover Boy didn't do it. <laughs> Bachman Turner Overdrive. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah, that's. Yeah, they like screw you, men without hats. I didn't know they were Canadian. <laughs> um, I didn't know. That. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I was wow. about to be like Chip, you idiot. They're Australian. But that, that according like, according oh, to Google, I was are. thinking of uh, Men at Work. The Guess Who. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um. So That's as cool. as they're getting bigger. Mm-hmm. George and John's relationships getting more and more, um, uh, what's the word? Acrimonious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, good, that's a good word for Thank you, Ken. Well, I'm good trying to, we have, we have a good. professional author, so I'm yeah. trying to impress <laughs> good her. Good job. Good job, Ken. <laughs> I approve of that vocabulary. Yeah. It, um, it was not, e- I mean, I, I know that I've heard of music groups, even when there's a, a romantic relationship going well, it can be hard. Yeah. Um, it was not going well very often. Um, I mean, it started out nice. And um, I'm sure they were like, you know, the, I guess the honeymoon period of that. But no, they were they were kind of at each other's throats and they were, you know, they were hiding it from the world, which yeah. is got to be really hard. And um, one of the things I learned about Boy George is. Um, he's, you know, he knew he was gay from a very young age. He would often portray himself in interviews as bisexual, mm-hmm. um, very much like, um, Mark Boland did of, um, T-Rex, T-Rex. and he loves Mark Boland. Yeah. Um, Bowie too. just, yeah, just, just because, so, so that had to be hard too. So he wasn't kind of, he wasn't saying, oh, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm straight. He was saying I'm bisexual, but he wasn't. And he was in love with John and John was. Um, it sounds you know. like it sounds like John truly was bisexual. Uh, yeah, it, yes. For, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's now married with children. Yeah. Um, very much a family man. And now that you can't be a family man otherwise. Right. But um yeah, he, but he he was he was into George. He definitely was, he, and he they, they he did admit it later yes. on. But it took a very long time for him to do that. Yeah, there's a good if you get um if you get Paramount Plus, they have all the behind the musics on there now, and they've updated a lot of them. So I would they've updated them like uh, 2022 updates. So I just watched the Boy George one. You did, and um, yeah, uh, John comes out and says. It's like I was very much in love with George. Like we were mm-hmm. very much in a loving relationship. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess he I guess at the time 
they would deny it. And then George would say things publicly to kind of try and get a rise out of him. Yeah. Which ultimately leads to their downfall. But it's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 1984. They just won the Grammy for Best New Artist. And Boy George, who, if you're looking at him, you're like, oh, there's there goes a drag queen. Like, I don't he wasn't like hiding. Mm-mm. I mean, his name's Boy George. Boy like George. he wasn't I, I like he wasn't trying to pass himself off as a woman. He never no. presented himself as anything other than a dude who dressed outrageously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so he says in the speech and, and he claims he just said this to get a rise out of John. He knew it would annoy him. But he says in the acceptance speech, uh, thanks for accepting us, America. You, you, you guys know a great drag queen when you see one. Mm. And, that, and then that was the moment where everybody who had been looking at this drag queen for three years was like, what? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> He's a drag queen? What the fuck? And then like the, you know, they they started getting – they started getting death threats. They 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 were doing tours around the Midwest. They had to um, first mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they well, it was weird because it was like you're just looking. You know what I mean? It'd be like why it'd be looking at a Harlem Globetrotter, and then when he tells you that he plays basketball, you're like, what? <laughs> I was what? Kinda, I was kind of uh, I was afraid of where you were going with that one, but I'm, you, <laughs> you stuck the landing, and I'm very proud of you. <laughs> um. So, like all of a sudden, they're going out to perform shows in bulletproof vests. Because really, yes, wow. I'm and you know, and he like he's just up there singing like, "Do you really want to hurt me?" And then you like wondering if there's a sniper up there. He's like, like "Yes, yeah, yes, I yeah, do, I do." <laughs> Fucking drag queen. I was fine when I thought you were a dude that dressed like a lady, but now that you're a drag queen, <laughs> that makes Man. no sense. I'm like the America. Press, the British America. press were just terrible to boy george and it's interesting when you read his book he can dish it he he can he can really dish it out but he has had some really you know people treat him horribly too um including his family growing up he did not have the best home life although they were there for him when they needed to be when he needed them to be over the years um they were instrumental in helping and getting him help when he really needed it um but oh yeah he he was he was brutal uh, you know, so, but some of his friends, like he, he was betrayed many times. He had many people die around him. Um, and it still didn't snap him out of it until, until much later. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he had, he had like, uh, he had someone die at his house, like overdose in his house, a guy who played yes. keyboards yeah. on a couple of their tracks. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he still, he still couldn't get his shit together. I, here's what I'll, here's what I'll give them credit for. So he says that drag queen remark, and then um, then he holds a press conference a few weeks later. Like him and John got into some big fight, and then he just holds a press conference and tells the world that he's been sleeping with the drummer. Yeah, and that further, you know, that just hurt the band further. I think all these people, you know, it's weird. It was it was like how Liberace never came out and said he was gay. It was like very don't ask, don't tell back then. People loved him and just thought that he was like, oh, he's just a eccentric. I watched Beyond the Candelabra and which is a wonderful movie, um, Michael Douglas. And I called my mother after I watched that and I said, no one thought Liberace was gay. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she was like, oh, yeah, everyone knew. We just didn't talk about it. And I said, yeah, so that was kind of how it was with Boy George until he, you know, well, no, everyone knew he was something special about him. Yeah. But like he didn't come out and say it like he didn't put a label on it like drag queen and the people go after him. 
It's like funny that you said that because, um, I, yeah, he didn't say that. I mean, there's there's one thing in the book where uh, I think John calls him a trans, not 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 pejoratively, but he calls him a transvestite. And I'm like, eh, he, I don't I don't even think he would have. He was he was very influenced by Mark Boland, David Bowie, mm-hmm. of course. So and um, Vivian Westwood was a friend of his. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, she she just passed. Rest rest in peace. Um, but he was very into the punk glam fashion. So. You know, and, and if that skewed more that he looked feminine, so so be it at that point. That was uh, it was weird, too, because like Bowie and Mark Bolin were just a few years before, mm-hmm. you know. So if, if that first Culture Club album came out in, I think, 82. Mm-hmm. So it was like Bowie and Bolin were doing the glam thing in. 72 maybe maybe a little later than that 70 i don't know but it's like within the last 10 years and then all of a sudden you have this second wave of uh the the british invasion you know like when mtv comes out and you get all these british bands coming across on mtv and then everybody was acting like the androgynous thing was the first time they'd seen it it's like, no, we just did this a few years ago. It's not that shocking. Right. It's interesting how, um, you know, they really cherry picked what came on the radio. And, and I know they do that for all for all albums. But it's just so interesting. If, if you look at the songs that didn't make like, you know, pop radio, they're very much I don't even say want to say like they're 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 British or or they're, you know, of, of a different culture. It's just they weren't what they weren't mainstream. You know, the, the ones that made the radio like Car McMillian and I'll tumble for you. They were just more radio friendly. And the other ones were just really too, almost too clubby for radio, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you a big fan of his solo stuff? Did you follow solo stuff at all? You know, it's funny because I, I was reading about Taboo when his his Broadway mm-hmm. uh, show came to broad, came to Broadway, and I was actually living in Boston at the time, so I missed a lot of you know I missed Broadway during you know during that decade. Um, I followed him a little bit. Um, his voice has changed over time, uh, whether that do, be due to artistic you know transformation or or drugs or just age, whatever. I think he sounds wonderful, um, but I've always kind of really associated him with Culture Club. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has he's he's transformed himself and reinvented himself uh, several times over the years um, out of necessity. I mean, he did do some jail time there for a while. And mm-hmm. uh, um, he's yeah, he's had a rough he's had a, a rough run of it. But yeah, it really seems like he did again, like he was able to change with the with the times like, you know, mm-hmm. he was a DJ, yes. the house music, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. I, there were so many different different like sort of genres you know like he he, it seemed like he had a pretty big internet presence very early on and Mm. yeah he also like like good for him for not hanging on to that look the rest of his career you know because i I think that happened to some of those 80s artists like they got like cindy lopper kind of never changed her look and you know you you didn't hear that much about her Mm. past past the 80s boy george at least was like i'd see his name in the news i'm not always for great things right you mentioned you mentioned he went to jail it sounded like he falsely imprisoned a dude yeah allegedly Um, it it was a big scandal um cocaine is a hell of a drug apparently (laughs) and (laughs) Um, it is? And that, wow. that was involved. And uh, yeah, he falsely imprisons a male escort. Yeah. Um, they they say that he cha- handcuffed him to the wall and beat him yeah. with a metal chain. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should go back and read it because there was somebody like I remember it saying that to someone I, I I went to see the show in 2018 and they're like, I can't believe you still support boy George. I was like, <gasps> you know, and I told, and I had forgotten about it because it, it was, yeah, he spent like 15 months in jail. He actually, I was reading about it. So he was sentenced to 15 months. Oh, sentenced. Okay. He was sentenced to 15 months, but they let him out after four on, oh, okay. uh, on good behavior. Um, but yeah. Foul. 
but he does say so when you if he addresses it if you if you watch this behind the music he he does what I did appreciate watching him is like he he takes ownership of it. He was like, yeah, I did that. You know, he was like, did did the press get all the facts right? No, but I can't I can't disassociate myself from that. It was it was probably the ugliest chapter in my life. You know, mm -hmm. I, I wish I hadn't done it, but I did it. Right. And he served his time. Yes. yes. I mean, it takes. How, what, how were they live in 2018? They were great. And, you know, and John was in it, too. That was the one. Uh, John was still in the band up until I want to say 2021, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 like now he's really he's like listed as a former member and, and it's just the three of them. I thought it was a great show. Um, Tom Bailey from Thompson Twins opens. Um, this is at the Stone Pony that I saw oh, wow. in Asbury Park. And it was great. I mean, the crowd loved them you know boy they they see they seem to be happy they seem to be healthy again like it, it's amazing I, I don't know how any musician like real rock musician survived the 80s but especially these guys to yeah. see them so happy and healthy and and doing their thing um it wasn't easy i mean but they did have they did you know boy george was not was not easy to get along with and i i I'm, that's not really saying much but um Roy Hay was was um, always kind of involved because he he was one of the big songwriters. So th so there was they did have skin in the game. They wanted to be Culture Club. It wasn't like you know they 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 were they were sometimes in Boy George's shadow, but um, I, I'm not surprised that they're still together in some way. John has retired or has you know quit whatever you want to say. Well, I I um I actually saw them this year. I saw them a few months ago. Oh, you did okay. Also Where? in Asbury, I saw them at the See Here Now Festival. Okay. And um th they they were not they were not great. Um his voice seemed a little shot. Mm-hmm. And uh but he looked like he was having he still looked like he was having the best time. Yeah. So like that's infectious. And then I didn't sure. know, you know, it, maybe I didn't know half the I thought what was interesting. Was they opened with a cover song? They opened with um, "Sympathy for the Devil" by really? the Rolling Stones, which, as I you know, as I heard the opening notes and I realized what it was, I was like, "Oh, this is fucking cool!" Like, what a what a bold choice to open your set with. But then it became very apparent that Boy George did not bother learning the words. <laughs> <laughs> So, and boy George it, isn't it, isn't that person who can't get away with it, right? Yeah, and you know, like it almost seemed like I was like, were they just backstage? Like, hey, you know, it would be fun. Like, let's open with sympathy for the devil. And George was like, yeah, I think I know. Sure, yeah, I probably remember how that goes. He 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 did not. There was just. He would just mumble at some point. And then I and then I even said to my like, what an odd choice. Like, why wouldn't you choose to open with the song you know the words to? Right. And then and then I thought to myself, like, and then I and then I was curious, like, have have they been opening with this song the whole tour and he still hasn't learned it? <laughs> yeah. And so I went and looked at the set lists, and it was like not the whole tour, but like three or four shows before that one. They'd been opening with. I'm like, I, I then I almost respected it. I'm like, you've done this three or four times now, <laughs> and you still and you can't be bothered to learn the words. Yeah, not that I would know every single word too, but it's a pretty popular song that people have known for decades. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like I could probably get half the words without any practice. You right. know, like it. It seems like you could do. It. But they didn't have. I guess the there wasn't the original lineup at this point. Although you know what, I I would have guessed. Like I didn't not knowing anything about them, I would have told you, oh, that's pro that band's probably been a revolving door for the last twenty years. They probably have got like thirty member, you know, past members listed mm -hmm. on Wikipedia. But it's really not. It's it's been the four of them up until up until John Moss uh, mm -hmm. left in twenty twenty one. And I don't know if we brought this up. I think at one point. They tried to do a reunion tour and Boy George was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And they tried to do it without him. 
Yes. And like yeah. it never really took off. I don't think I, I did like a show or two, I think with like some other singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which they, is like, it's yeah, that's, that's gotta be a tough sell. Uh, Culture club without boy, George. It's like ACDC with Axl Rose. Well, <laughs> right, I, right. And that's at least got some kind of novelty factor to it. You know? Sure. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah, but I would actually, good. I'd want to see AC. Listen, DC it's still, it, it's still ACDC with Axl Rose. That's what yeah. I'm, that's all I'm saying. Right. But, yeah. But this was culture club with somebody you've never heard of in mm. your life. You know what oh. I mean? Like Axl Rose is. Yeah. Well, at least I can sort of visualize what I'm probably getting. It's this like was, it's like Duran Duran with Ken Krantz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I don't. I don't think I want to. I would. Go, I, I personally would go see. That. I would go see that. I'm intrigued. I, I, would, would yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would go see Duran Duran with Ken Krantz. But like, see, Ken I think, could get away with not knowing any of the lyrics to the songs. Yeah. It'd be great. Yeah. Is yeah. he singing "Jew to a Kill"? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the lyrics to Culture Club. I, I'm terrible with lyrics. Like I hear things, you know, like Elton John. I don't know half of Elton John's songs. I've been seeing. I've been living under uh, under the delusion that I know Elton John's lyrics. Mm-hmm. Even worse are Culture Club. I thought I heard something, and I go back and I read, and I'm like this, this is not what I've been singing. This is this is not what I've been singing at all for forever. Do you remember um, what it was? It was the lyrics to, I want to say, um, oh, it, it was, it's a miracle. I thought it was girls that cross the street. It's guns that cross the street. Oh, yeah, and I was like, oh, that, that, that's totally different. And that's it makes way sense. less sunny, <laughs> way less sunny. And that's just a small example, but um, it, they talk about America. Like they were scared, you know, they were kind of frightened to come to America because it was, you know, in the eighties, especially in New York, it was like violence. Ooh, you know, so it, it was kind of interesting, but I go back and I read some of these lyrics. I'm like, wow, that is that now that I know what the lyrics are, I think I understand the, the um, the songs a little bit better and not even just karma chameleon where people thought we were saying come a chameleon. I don't know what that was, but. Um, Cause yeah. you know what it is. It's not just misrepresented in everyone singing the song in other forms of media. Other people are singing it wrong. Like mm. I thought it was that too, because that's how they sang it on a on an episode of Futurama. So I was like, okay, that's that's how it goes. But then then someone's like, no, that's not it at all. No. But I, I just wanted to tell you real quick, Barbara, that I related yeah. to that what you were saying about boy about Culture Club's music. But when you said Elton John, that's who I was going to relate it to. I thought I knew so many Elton John songs, and then I went and saw Rocket Man, and I was like, oh crap. <laughs> We're we're an hour into the movie. I only recognize two of these motherfuckers. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Benny and the Jets is the one that um, I, I have to look at those lyrics every so often. And it's funny because in the early 2000s, he went on tour. If you recall, it was like the Piano Man and and um, with Billy um, Joel. Billy Joel. Yeah. Um, he went out. He went out with uh, Billy Joel, who I think is like on the completely different ends of the spectrum where his diction is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And you never have to wonder what he's saying. Yeah. You know what's, you know what? And, and I have this theory because remember when um, uh, moving out came to Broadway and it was a big hit, mm-hmm. uh, but, but Saturday, uh, stay no Saturday night fever came out and that was a big flop. Um, part of the, the, sorry, we're going into a different direction, but the Bee Gees, okay. Is another one where the, their lyrics, like staying alive lyrics, don't know what it is until I'm actually reading it. Yeah. When you go on Broadway and you, and you take pop music and you bring it to, to Broadway, you have the Broadway sensibility where, where you put the diction back into the words. So I have this theory that staying alive flopped because you actually heard the Bee Gees lyrics clearly for the first time. And they just didn't vibe as well as the, the radio songs. So I think moving out played better and longer because it wasn't that much of a difference. I mean, Billy Joel has exceptional diction and it just translated better to Broadway. And that's very interesting because it also tells the story. Like obviously yeah. Billy Joel's songs tell stories. Yeah. Even if the BG song Staying Alive, for example, whatever, 
tell stories. I don't really know the stories. Like I know all the Billy Joel stories because I know all the words. So you, yeah. you can picture Piano Man. Everybody knows that. We, mm-hmm. You may be right. We all we all get it. So it's like people go in with those stories in their head. And then yep. I never saw the musical, but it's like, oh, it retold those stories. But with Staying Alive, it's like it's about staying alive. I don't know. You know, so that that's a really interesting. That's a really interesting point. But yeah, so go back and read some of the lyrics to Culture Club and you'll be um, you'll you'll be um, entertained and uh, surprised. (laughs) I was they they were one of those bands. I thought I didn't have much of an opinion on them, I guess, when I was a kid. Like I would watch the videos when they came on just because they were funny videos and there was something like Boy George was an obvious star like you couldn't. Mm Take yeah. your eyes off him. But the music itself uh, it didn't do much for me. Like, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. Like, it just, you know, just felt like it was always on in the background. It but, was just kind of there. Yeah, but going back last night and re-listening to some of these songs for the first time in over 30 years, I was like, fuck, some of these are really good, catchy songs. Um. The lyrics are wonderful. He was he was so talented and he would just, you know, sit with sit with Roy and, and write these songs. And a lot of them are credited, though, for, you know, all of them are credited. If you if you look at the song credits, all all four of them on some of them or a lot of them. Um, but, yeah, they, they were just very mature lyrics, um, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, very symbolic. But, but like I said, when I found out about him and John a few years ago, I went back. I'm like, oh, this all makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for such uh, a young guy, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. that second album, he was probably 22 or 23. Mm -hmm. And suddenly he's up there with Michael Jackson and Prince and Madonna. And I think that. John Moss was really the catalyst, even even though it, it, Boy George is the, is the front man. John Moss was in The Damned um, back in the day. And so mm, so when he when he came into Culture Club, he was already John Moss of The Damned and he had the career aspirations. He was the one, John Moss, who was like, no, we have to do this for the record. Or he so he went out to California at one point. And he was the one taking meetings with producers and labels. And so I I wonder if it wasn't like for that push. I mean, I mean, Boy George wanted to be a star for sure, but I don't know if it would have gotten there as quickly without John. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. So and it's interesting. I, I want to tell you, I loved your Christmas episode where you talked about Band-Aid um, and that song, which is one of my favorite Christmas songs for better. Don't don't hate me, but um, it's a classic. It is. And I appreciate both of you for not um, for 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 giving a wonderful Christmas time a try, because that's one of my other um, favorite songs, too. But sure. to bring that up. Um, Boy George was really proud of his performance in that. Um, he was shitting on George Michael's performance in that. And um John Moss was the only other one there. Mikey, I think, if I have this right, Mikey and Roy were kind of left behind, and they mm-hmm. were a little miffed about that. But he talks about how he was upset with John because he was like hitting on someone from ba- from Bananarama, and I was like, "Yeah, that sounds like John." So. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't play Live Aid. I don't think is that. I wonder if they were they just like on tour at a different. Spot then, were they not touring? Do you happen to know why, why they didn't? I don't think they mentioned Live Aid, um, but I, I know. Are you sure about that? I think I read it yesterday that they they did not perform Let me see. in Live Aid. I could be wrong about that. We have Google. Yeah, if, if I love only Google sometimes. We had access. Uh, wh- why, we're look- why we're looking that up, uh, Ken, I always had a question for you. Are your dreams in red, gold, and green? <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact, they are. Okay. Um, Barbara, the thing that you touched on before, you, you kind of touched on this about how his family was there when he yep. needed them. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you're right. He didn't play. He didn't play Live Aid. Mm-hmm. It was drugs. 
Was it? Okay. <laughs> I was otherwise engaged chemically. chemically. <laughs> what a way to say you were on drugs. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. That's my that's uh, that's my new favorite expression. Right? Otherwise oh, engaged. I'm gonna be using chemically. that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to come to your kid's birthday party, but I am otherwise, otherwise engaged, engaged chemically. chemically. Um, Barbara, you were talking about yeah. his family. You were like yeah. they were there when he needed him. Um, I think what what you're talking about is like his brother and father went on television, like went on the BBC when he was in the throes of addiction. And there was rumors of his addiction and he kept denying it in the press. And the two of them went on the BBC and were like, yeah, George is a heroin addict and needs help. And and if you're watching this, help us help him. Yeah, um, it, they had a funny way of showing their love for each other at times. But um, he had a really uh, George had a really rough go of it with his father when he was younger. Um, and I'd like to say that it wasn't like, oh, now you're famous. We love you. It It wasn't it wasn't like that. It, it kind of they re, they reached a breaking point where they they had like some type of mutual respect for each other, but yes, it, it was he the the family kind of sold him out at one point, uh, especially the brother. The brother he says in the book that his brother sold um, stories about him to the tabloids. That's so that fucked. Oh, that's fucked. But I was thinking yeah. like, yeah, that that's obviously pretty grimy. But going on the news and being like, uh, he is a drug addict, don't believe him. I I, I felt like that was out of a Concern. sincere place yeah. of not wanting, you know, not wanting their son or brother to die. Sure. Yeah. I agree. And um, I, I honestly, I, I know George, um, I read his original autobiography. I have another memoir of his where he he became very spiritual. He went to, you know, he went to India. He tried to find God wherever he could find it. Very spiritual later on. But I know he relapsed. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I mean, he's clean now, I think. I he, hope. He claimed, and, in the interview that I saw, he claims to be clean for 14 okay. years now. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it was a struggle and it and he just wasn't getting the message that his friends were dying and yeah. it, it you know scary stuff. But um otherwise chemically engaged is the name <laughs> of my punk fans now. So if you'd like yes, to join is. me, um chemical engagement would be uh, <laughs> it's a good album name. That's a good band name. It is a good band name. Yeah. Um, Yo, you want right. to see chemical engagement? <laughs> we'll talk off air. Hey, uh, before you go, uh, I do have a fun little tidbit of information. What do you yeah. got? He collaborated with my dad. No. What? He collaborated with your dad? Yeah. Why yeah. are you waiting Oh, wait, I think now? I did. Wait, I read that somewhere. Yeah, that's right. What? Uh, and I was like, oh, we're not going to be able to talk to Kahuna. I didn't realize you're going to be here. Wait. So, yeah, he did something with, with them, didn't they? They did a track together, and then they performed live at Disneyland together. No. Yeah. And the clip's online. My dad looking at my dad looking his flyest, and <laughs> the music video it it just screams pure nineties. What yeah. what's the name of the song? More than likely. All right, we'll have to check that out. That's awesome. Is it under is it under PM Dawn? Like, uh, is that no, it's both of them. Boy George Bo- and Boy PM George. Dawn. Okay. Yeah, no. I was like, oh wait, I wonder if they know. Let me let me tell them. Surprise. And that was that was ninety three. When was so? That's like I mean that's right in the pocket of. PM Dawn's like fame, right? Yeah, pretty I mean, that's, much. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's like peak for them. What's really funny though is that something goes down at that Disneyland show. Not about Boy George, but it affects my life for the first like ten years because my dad had a horrible experience with the Disneyland staff. Oh, I really? thought you were gonna say like you got molested by Goofy. Jesus Christ, Ken. <laughs> And on that note, it's another episode of I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. I'm Chip Chantry. And I'm Barbara. It's nice to meet y'all. Bye. (laughs) I'm not doing your fucking puppet show no more. (laughs) Wait, so so that so so you were there? No, 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 no. I was not. Oh, you? That's ninety three. I'm ninety five. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But like, it's just it was just nutty. But I go back. I went back and I was looking at it. While you guys were talking, I was like, oh, my God, yeah. And I think that there's even something that's unreleased, but I'm not entirely sure on that. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, from what I remember, my dad was like, yeah, Boy George was cool. Like, he was nice that's, to him. 
But That's if it's weird. 93, then he must have been going through some shit. Yeah. 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 All right. Wow. I got to well, check cool. out that Yeah, chart. I'm going to check that out as soon as we uh, as soon as we get off here. Barbara, thank you so much for coming on. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. Of course. Hey, hey, can you remind us uh, where we can find your book? Like uh, where we can find yeah. your book? You can find Lucky Stiff on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, bookshop.org. Um, apparently Walmart, too. If you like Walmart, you can go online. Um, so Lucky Stiff, Barbara Belisi Zito. Can oh, I, I, I was going to say, I don't know how to tell you this. Nobody's walking into Walmart. Like, where's the book section? No, no. One, <laughs> well, true, true. And you probably won't find me because um, I am with a small publisher. So you might have to request me, but definitely online. Guys, I didn't even know Walmart had a book section. I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> Barbara, listen, can I get a signed copy? <laughs> you certainly can, Kahuna. Don't be awesome. Don't be a cheapskate. Like, buy the book. Don't go to the library like a nerd. Mind your fucking business, Ken. Buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chip, you got anything coming up? Uh, yeah, I'll be at Steel Stacks, uh, the Arts Quest Center in Bethlehem. Pennsylvania on Friday the 13th, next Friday, January 13th. So uh, if you're in the Lehigh Valley, check me out uh, there. How about you, Ken? Um, I will be, uh, I will be at, um, oh, it, you know what? It would help if I knew the name of the place. <laughs> I'll be somewhere in Somerville, New Jersey uh, on the 12th with uh, the Reverend Bob Levy. If any of you are uh, Howard Stern fans. Sure. And uh, I guess that's it. We'll see you next week. Go buy Lucky Stiff. Yes. And thank, thank you, Huna. It was great to see you. Thank you, Barbara, so much for, for doing it. Thank you so much. All right. We'll and thanks you. just for being you, Ken. That's all I can do. All right. We'll see you next see week. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>